My name is Andrea Carpenter. I'm the director of Women Talk Real Estate, and I'm delighted to be hosting this new podcast series from the Urban Land Institute. The ULI brings together real estate and land use experts from around the world with a mission to shape the future of the built environment and to make transformative impact in communities. And this podcast will focus on that future and that transformative impact. ULI's European Young Leaders Group recently selected 10 outstanding contributors to the industry, hailing them as the new real estate vanguard. These are people in the early years of their career who have already demonstrated entrepreneurial flair or shaken up the corporate world. We'll use these podcasts to hear from each of them about their story, what brought them to real estate and how they are disrupting our industry. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Tanya Azad, partner at the executive search and advisory company Bowhill Partners. Through her role advising top industry companies as they hire senior leaders, Tanya is influencing the progress of much needed diversity in our industry. Tanya also has a great vantage point from which to understand what the industry needs from our current leaders and those rising through the ranks. Tanya, hello and thank you very much for joining us today. Hi Andrea, total pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So I get the impression that actually from my perspective it feels like recruitment has been never been so important uh, you know, part of the industry just because we are trying to get more diversity. Do you, do you feel that in your job at the moment? I've been feeling it in my job for a number of years now. Um, it is the main topic of conversation um, and often clients start with let's talk about diversity. So absolutely, it, it's come up so much and I can give you a recent example um, from as early as last week. I was pitching for a new piece of business with a very large organisation that you'll probably know. And they said, before they gave me the mandate, they said, can you assure me that the long list will have 50% women and 50% other? And I looked at him and said, look, I mean, I can promise you that every single woman out there that can do this job will be on the list but I couldn't promise that it would be 50% of the list because you know it just doesn't exist in the same way that we would hope that it does. So I suppose there's been a period of time where we've seen it as box ticking, but it sounds to me like it's now more fundamental to your everyday work and your everyday interactions with the industry. It's really fundamental. Um, and I lead our diversity and inclusion board and it's obviously something that's really close to my heart as well. You know, I'm a woman, I'm brown, um, I believe in equal opportunities. Um, um, and all of my clients are pretty much the same. It's it's super fundamental. And another example that comes to mind for me when I when I think about this is um, about a year and a half ago, I worked for a client who they always hire in their own image. So it was a lot of the same thing in one company. They'd all gone to similar schools, Ivy League, Ivy League universities. They'd all gone to um, top tier investment banks where they trained. And there was one position that they'd recruited for a couple of times, but just weren't quite getting it right. A person came up that was recommended to the role. Um, I spoke to the person and I immediately knew that this person was very different to anything this company had, had ever hired before. Um, I spoke to the client and said, look, the profile is different, but just give them a chance. And they did. That's great. I, I really like that story, but I think it also, it, it makes me think about the responsibility you have to that mm. person as well, that you were then taking someone who you knew wasn't a cultural fit to a certain extent mm -hmm. and putting them in a company. And, you know, I do a lot around gender diversity. I've heard stories of companies really wanting to have women, 
displacing senior women and them leaving quite quickly because the culture mm -hmm. is not ready to adapt to them. So how do you how do you talk to your clients about that? How do you talk about culture change as well as hiring change? Yeah. It's we have a big responsibility um in what we do to make sure that um we are being as honest as possible with absolutely everybody. And I've always said, and I still stand by this, that I'd rather not make a placement than make the wrong one. The last thing you ever want to happen is for somebody to go into an organization and to be unhappy or have promises that have been broken and then they leave because they're not happy. It's not good, it doesn't feel good and it's just not good for anybody. Um, I think there are a few ways that we can think about getting around that. We have a responsibility to hold a safe space for people where they can talk to you about what their concerns are. And it sounds like something really easy, but actually having that space, it is really important because they can just let their guard down and tell you how they really feel. Whereas you probably wouldn't do that directly you know, with a client themselves and say, look, I have a few concerns about your company and can you help me work through it? Because it might cost you the job. Um, with the with the person that's introducing you, with the headhunter, you can do that. And I do find that just letting people talk about it and letting them feel space safe rather in that conversation, um, they usually get to the answers themselves. Okay, let's um, step back a bit now. I want to actually find out how you got to this point. Tell mm -hmm. us, tell us how you, um, the, you know, the, where you kind of came from in terms of career-wise, and how you've ended up working for Bowhill. What's been, how's that happened? Yeah, the career-wise, I ended up in this industry completely by chance. It, it was um, not planned at all, and in fact, like many people that I meet, um, I graduated in didn't know yet what I wanted to do. There were so many different things and I graduated in 08, which was a really tough market. Um, and I ended up on holiday with a friend who worked in real estate executive search. And she said, do you know what? I think you should try what I do. And I remember looking at her saying, don't, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> this isn't for me. Uh, my sister was a headhunter at the time and I was like, no. And there's a part of me that just felt it was a little bit aggressive and a little bit salesy. You know, that's the, um, I th now know that it's a misconception um, that the executive search was like that. And I think at the time I also didn't appreciate the difference between recruitment and executive search. Um, Cut a long story short, I went in to meet her company um, and within, you know, the first, after the first few meetings, they offered me a job. I got into it and 11 years later, here I am. I just, I learned to really love what I do um, for so many different reasons, but a big part of it is because I get to deal with some really great people on a day-to-day -day basis. And I thought about different industries. I thought, should I choose real estate? Should I go into a slightly different area of finance? But real estate is the most exciting one for me. I mean, I can look at a building and know who invested in it. I can know who developed it. I can know, you know, which company is responsible for operating it. I can know which bank has financed it and I could have worked with all of those different organizations helping them to put teams together so you know the visions that they have they turn that into a reality and it's an exciting thing to be a part of to help people build those teams to make their ambitions a reality. And it must be exciting to be in an industry that is trying to change in terms of its diversity as well. Yeah definitely. Look I think in that regard we are a little bit behind in real estate. Um, 
you know, compared to areas like fintech as well, prop tech is something that has come a really long way over the last five to six years. Um, And I can see that the industry has started very much to commit to change. But I do think that there are definitely areas where, you know, we need to do better. Diversity is on the agenda, um, but actually creating the right kinds of infrastructure to make diversity inclusive as well and not just talk about it that's something I think that um, we need to start probably seeing a lot more of Um, but there are many and and look different companies do it differently you know I do think that the public sector probably does it a little bit better than the private sector and an example of that is um, Helen Gordon she was on our podcast Desert Island Risks and we talked about how Granger the company she works for they have three women at C-suite levels and that's something that it's much harder to find if you look in in the private sector I think we are definitely getting better at it and there are you know more women in leadership roles now than if I compared to when I started in this industry 11 years ago and I would hope that there would be more even still and you know there are some people that I've placed into certain companies and I know that they're superstars you know whether they're men or women but a lot of them have been women and some are earmarked for future leadership positions and I just can't wait to see that become a reality yeah I'm, I'm yeah I'm really excited to see like a critical mass of female leadership because I think that's what you really need to kind of evolve that change within within businesses yeah and to inspire the next generation as well um, I think you know if one company starts doing it everyone starts following you know there's um, a particular company in the real estate industry I'm sure everybody will know who I'm talking about um, but everybody always says this company will go and invest into logistics and then everybody else will follow or they'll go and decide that you know hotels are the flavour of the month and everybody else will follow I think that we need more and more examples of it because then everybody else wants to keep up nobody wants to let be left behind and I think if we employ that tactic also with putting more women into leadership positions I would hope that it would have a domino effect but as I said we've got a long way to go and I think that um, we're on the right track I think that you know people's intentions are in the right place but actioning it is is a whole different thing I mean, we've talked a lot about gender diversity. I mm. mean, but there's still um, a lot more ground to be made up also on other types of diversity, thinking about those from different ethnic mm-hmm. minority backgrounds or other underrepresented groups. Um, how do you think we're doing for that? And how can that be influenced at a senior level at this moment? So I think that gender diversity is definitely streets ahead of ethnic diversity. Um, and I think it's because people started thinking about gender diversity, you know, a, a while ago. And the ethnic diversity is something that I hear coming up in conversations now, but over the last maybe couple of years, whereas before it just it didn't really come up in conversation as much. Um, I think that um, there are definitely people in senior leadership roles where we see the diversity of background in addition to just the gender diversity being addressed but I do think that in those kinds of scenarios there has to be there has to be more support around paving the way for people like that Um, and it's this goes back to what I was talking about 
and you know I discuss this all the time actually in, in a lot of the roundtables we have where we talk about um, diversity it's not just about talking about it but it's thinking about how to practically implement it so um, you know for people that wouldn't naturally come to mind when you think about who should we promote to head this team I think everybody has a responsibility to step forward and say well you didn't think about this person but I do want to put that person forward I think it's about championing people that you feel are right championing people that have the diverse backgrounds that come from different ethnicities um, where they might where they might not be first choice and thought about first I think that there has to be an extra concerted effort made to make sure that these people aren't forgotten yeah I mean I I, I think we know with um, women there are there aren't enough but there are more women we are definitely lacking in people from different ethnic backgrounds different socioeconomic backgrounds have you been asked to look outside the industry for people sometimes? Is a lateral hire something that you think would kind of help the industry putting people from different industries into senior positions here? Outside the real estate industry? Yeah, yeah. That's a tough one. And it's very rare that it comes up. I think the only time I see that coming up is when um, we're working on capital raising mandates because that's a skill set that um, you know you can apply to real estate as well and it's quite easily transferable. But even so, most of our clients usually prefer people with real estate experience. And it's not necessarily because you know they're not open-minded, it's because everyone's working really hard and they don't always have the time to train people to, to sort of um, catch up and, and get up the curve. Um, but I do think there is a point in here that um, if we really do want to see a difference and if we really do want to see people of different backgrounds being included, we have to find a way of making the time to invest in people because that's the only way that it's ever going to happen. And I think that organisations probably need to sit down and think about, right, we're all really busy. Who can be the person that, you know, allocates maybe 20% of their time towards, you know, bringing in a profile like this that's a little bit different or somebody slightly outside of the industry that um, might not have had the same opportunities as some of the people who have made it here. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not so easy. And I think as um, in our industry, we can put forward slightly different profiles, but it will be harder, for, for, I think, to get people to respond to it in, in exactly the same way. But I think that's progress. Putting forward those profiles is progress and they will break through and it, and it will be more normal to see a more better range of people and those people will start getting selected. I think it's it's part of the pathway. No, absolutely. I mean, the fact that I was asked for a long list that was going to be 50% women, I think is progress in itself. Um, because not not everybody asks for that. Um, and I will always try, I will always where I can try to bring up a slightly different profile to see if this person can get a chance. And to be fair, I think that you know, even if it doesn't end up in that person getting hired, what is happening, people are open to taking the meeting. And again, that's still one step closer to where we were before, where, you know, a certain CV or a profile just wouldn't be put on the table at all. So there, it's slowly, slowly edging forward. But I think that, you know, it, it's definitely a door half open as opposed to completely closed like it was before. Yeah, and that's progress enough to, keep, you know, to, to get somewhere, I think, um, which may, leads me 
perfectly to my next question. I like the idea of the company with the 50-50 approach. And as I said in the intro, you have this great vantage point of seeing so many different um, culture and leadership around different companies. So what is it that you admire what, when you've seen different companies? And, and also kind of what have you learned about your own leadership style from what you see? Yeah, I mean, this is part of the reason I'm also in the industry. I'm always learning from the people around me. And I'm lucky enough to work with some people who are the best in the world at what they do. Um, and, you know, there are a, there's a long list of things that I could give you to answer this question. But I think the one that resonates for me the most, and I've tried to adopt into my own leadership style as well, is um, some people think that to be a leader, <laughs> you've got to be really hard you know they think that that's associated with a certain personality type where you know people who work for you aren't meant to like you you know and you have to have the difficult conversations and yes you have to have the difficult conversations but I've seen some leaders who manage to lead really well but show kindness at the same time and in an industry where, you know, finance, investment banking, um, some private equity houses can be associated with really aggressive cultures, to see certain individuals coming into those kinds of cultures and say, I'm not doing it this way, I'm going to be nice to my team, I'm going to be kind, that's really inspirational because they are also breaking the mould, trying something a little bit differently. And I've seen examples of it working really, really well. And for myself, when I transitioned into a leadership position, it took time to find the balance. It's a different kind of responsibility that you have to take really seriously. You know, people um, people expect you to be there for them in a totally different way. And if you really are committed to being a good leader, you have to show up for people. You have to be available. And just yesterday, I was talking to somebody who'd come out of an interview and said, the person asked me, what would your colleagues say about you? And I said, well, what did you say? And he said, well, I think they would say that um, I'm there for them and that they can trust me. And those two things just that they resonated a lot because you do have to be there as a leader and you do have to be trustworthy as a leader as well. And do you think that's a generational change in terms of leadership as we see maybe people who started in this industry sort of like 20 years ago mm. and now coming to that leadership position? Or do you think that's about how we're changing, I suppose as an industry, but as a world, you know, being more socially conscious, you know, we know that the younger talent is more socially conscious, things like that. And, you know, more mindful about <clears throat> mental health and that. So exactly. Mm. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that it's really hard to just ignore these things anymore, like people used to. Um, and, you know, there have been so many things that have happened over the last few years that make it really hard for us to just sit there and pretend that it's not it's not going on. The Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the Me Too movement, being in a pandemic, you know, um, which has given everybody time to stop and, and really pause for thought and has made everybody think, you know, after Black Lives Matter, I asked myself, okay, what, what are you doing to help? What can you do? You know, it's not enough to just say, I don't agree with this. You know, if every single person did one thing, you know, even if it's just to, to, to spread the word or to, to raise awareness, but did one thing, I think it would make a big difference. So I think that where before a lot of people could just sort of sit dormant and be like, somebody else will do something about it. I think it's a lot harder to do that now. Um, I think generationally, there is definitely a change. You know, this is, 
not the same world you know organizations it's not 1980s investment banks you know where there was a very different working style and um, people measure happiness in workplaces too mental health awareness has become a massive thing and it's very real and finally it's starting to get the recognition that it deserves and the other thing and I touched on this earlier is that there's there's a lot of competition for strong talent at the moment um, and you know we know that because we're speaking to so many different organizations that are that are looking for the best and sometimes you end up in a setting where you as the person in the company that's doing the hiring you have to sell to your candidate and you know that means it's not just about being a good company it's not just about having lots of capital to invest it's not just about having a flexible strategy it's about will you be happy here? And, you know, this is why, let me tell you why you will be happy here. So I think there's, we do see that change. Again, I think that um, it has to move from being just talk to actual reality. But I've seen some examples of groups that have done it really, really well and who have managed to maintain that kind of culture. Um, and I'm really hoping, um, well, I've already started to see it infiltrate into other into other companies and just across the board throughout the industry. So just a few questions now that we ask all our uh, podcast interviewees. So what advice would you therefore give to someone starting in, out in real estate, I suppose, who is aspiring among the, along their career to be one of those leaders? Yeah. Um, would you recommend the industry for a start, I think? <laughs> <laughs> would I recommend the industry? Depends on where you go. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I can. I think that look, I chose the industry. You know, um, I, I am not working sort of in a real estate investment company, but I'm dealing with these people every single day. Um, I think it's, it's a great industry in so many ways. Um, also because if you're the kind, it's got a little bit of something for everybody. So if you're a graduate starting out in one of the companies, there's loads of rotation programs you can do. Um, and I, I think I would encourage people to just try different things at the beginning. And, you know, we all have that moment where um, there's like um, a time where something happens, you close a deal, or, you know, you win your first investment, or you reposition an asset and you, you finally see, you know, the outcome and you have that moment where it's like, wow, it's the adrenaline kick and, and it feels good. And so I would say, trust your gut with these things, listen to yourself and, and see what feels good. Um, the other things as well, and these are slightly more obvious things, but um, people don't pay as much attention to them as, as you would think that they do. Networking in real estate is so important. It's a people's business. This is why I joined it. Um, you know, there are some really interesting personalities. There are some really fun people as well. You know, some who have gone on to become really good friends. Um, but I think networking and profiling um, is important. It's how you'll get your next JV partner. It's how you'll get your next investor. It's how you might get your next colleague. Um, and I think also what's quite important is mentorship. So, Andrea, you actually asked me um, a few months ago if I could mentor somebody from Women Talk Real Estate, and um, I, w I was so honoured to be asked, and I and I did it. And no matter how busy I am, whenever this person asks me for time, I always give her my time. And the, you know, there's a res it's it goes back to what I was saying about the responsibility that you have when you get to a leadership position is. Um, 
is investing in into the next generation and investing into the people around you and and helping one another and empowering one another which you know we are definitely starting to see more of and people are starting to do more often so um this is why the networking is important and this is why the mentorship is important find one um and i think also find a sponsor within an organization in your team that can help you to get to where you are yeah i think just explain why that's different because the mentor is different from a sponsor right mentor is totally different from a sponsor you know the mentor can be somebody that you you're inspired by that you look up to it could be somebody even outside of the industry but it's somebody to give you an objective view someone who's maybe gotten it right in the same industry that you know you want to be able to guide you so that you have direction through your career, which can be easy to lose when you're working really hard and you're really busy. I think the sponsor is somebody within an organization that you can align yourself with, um, that can help you to progress within um, a certain company. And that's, you know, in giving guidance as well. That's in, you know, involving you in things from a day-to-day basis. And back to what we were saying, that when it's a, when it when you're talking about who you want to put in a leadership position there's usually you know a certain type of profile that comes to mind your sponsor should be the one that says you hadn't thought about this person because of whatever reason it might be but this is why I think you should think about this person yeah and it sounds like you should if you're a younger person coming into the industry be more relaxed about your route through like there isn't don't be so fixated on doing five years at the right investment bank and then going to business school those sorts of things because you know actually people want that diversity of thought these days yeah i think that there's there's two sides of it because i think that um for people to be more relaxed about the route that they take in their career companies have to start being more open-minded about the kind of profiles they consider yeah and they go hand in hand and until the companies who are making and the hiring managers start opening up you know and saying it's okay if somebody's done investment banking for a little bit longer before moving over to the buy side then you know you're not relieving the pressure off of young people to try slightly different things and you're therefore not inviting diversity into the industry because you're again creating a mold and everybody has to sort of follow that mold in order to be able to get to your company Okay. And can you recommend a business book or a podcast or something that sort of inspired you within your working life? Um, I absolutely can. So a recent book that was recommended, um, we have a Bohol Partners book club, uh, which which I absolutely love and everybody always contributes great ideas. Um, But one was recently recommended called Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. Um, After reading this book, I wanted to give it to every woman I know. <laughs> and, you know, we all know that, um, that that diversity, gender diversity is a thing. We all know about the gender pay gap. You know, we all know about how opportunities seem to be a lot easier for men. Um, but I think that reading this book made me have a total different level of appreciation for how much we don't know and how much we put up with. Um, So there's a chapter in it called um, Man is the Default Human. And it's so true. And, you know, the specific thing that actually relates and and resonated for me as well, that relates to to my industry, is um, 
there was an example of a company that um, built got a, another firm to build an algorithm so that they could use this algorithm to make hiring decisions and those hiring decisions should remove any biases. And so they used it, they hired a bunch of people. Um, but then if you really go back into it, you'll see that the algorithm it, itself is biased because of the person that built it. Um, so there were just loads of little things in there. Well, actually not just little things, big things in there um, that, you know, we make little things in our minds because we're forced to accept them as, as just normal life. So I think the first step is awareness and the awareness and that this book gave me was incredible and I think the inspiration it gave me was right I've got to spread the word and I've got to try and do something so so it's all about really how you know things like phones crash test dummies all those are really kind of evolved around men really and being best for you know based on the male kind of body or kind of hand for holding a phone and things like that exactly Mm -hmm. um exactly those things and about how um brilliance is usually associated to men as well and about how um you know if you think of in the in the work context if you think of um a man being um a team player you think of him as a leader if you think about a woman being a team player you generally tend to think of them as followers you know and you would never really think that people think that way but it's so real and it exists and this is why championing and sponsoring is so important Great. Well, that's a a great recommendation. I'm sure many people pick that up now. Um, Tanya, thank you so much for um, having this conversation with you. It's been a really fantastic chance to chat. No, it's been absolutely great. Uh, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and thank you so much for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about the other episodes of this series, go to the Young Leaders page on the ULI Europe website. (laughs) 